This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... called My Old Man. Drilled back in again, exquisitely by Glenn Whelan, putting Blackburn under big pressure again. McGinn with the cross, good downward header by Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me for this show about the only thing in the UK which is uh, functioning properly as the rest of the country turns to shit with Brexit, Aston Villa. <laughs> and to celebrate that with me, it's Dan Rogers from the thevillaunderground.com. Hello. And Mr. Chris Budd. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Are you giddy? Are you giddy? It's the... It's... It's... Nosebleeds. It's, like, Isn't that what we, it's the oh, Jackson it's, 5. It's five-star. Oh, hang on. He's a band. That's a band fa- word now. Jackson. Can't say that one. <laughs> that didn't it's end the, well, David. <laughs> it's famous five. It's uh, all good things. Well, I was going to say good things. Five-star were a bit shit, but uh, five wins on the trot. Uh, yes. We're halfway there to the amount that we actually want. We want ten wins on the trot, don't we? Well, if yeah. I mean, if, if we're going to catch second place. <laughs> the bet's think- still on. I think automatics uh, are obviously out of the the picture, but uh, <laughs> we'll talk about the uh, latest of our victories against Blackburn Rovers two one. Uh, we'll also uh, begin the show. We'll transition back from. Uh, I think you'll remember if you listened to the last show that we did a minus nine points. We're transitioning back to the normal three points, and also uh, in the show we will uh, have the Scott Hogan touch can meter, which actually I have set up in my lounge, and it flickered on this weekend. <laughs> no- normally, I just normally I just stare at it and nothing happens, but uh, the red light started swirling around and went ballistic, uh, didn't it? At one point, yeah, it, it short circuited. I had to go to the fuse box to uh, 
turn everything on again because it short-circuited all the electricity in the house. Anyway, and at the end, uh, we will uh, look at the forthcoming games and the uh, playoff picture because obviously uh, there was a couple of results that went into Villa's favour. So uh, there'll be a few twists and turns, uh, I'm sure, unless Villa just keep winning, winning and winning. Right, on to the three points. Who's kicking us off? Mr Chris Budd. Point number one. Unsurprisingly, the uh, baby-faced assassin, Mr. Solskjaer, has been confirmed as the Manchester United boss full-time after their heroics in Paris and winning runs and somehow managing to get the best out of one Paul Pogba. So now it'll be interesting to see, of course, if he gets backed in the uh, transfer window and like Mr. Mourinho. Well, he, he was kind of backed. But in, in that situation, they all, they all said, uh, well, the, the press said that it was all down to the uh, Paris Saint-Germain situation. If he could get through them, then he would get the job. That's the interesting thing. Do you think they would have given him the job if they didn't beat Paris Saint-Germain? I, th- I think they would have waited until they knew they were top four for next season. Yeah, I think they'd have waited till the end of the season, which would have been this kind of diplomatic thing to do, and he'd have probably be expecting that anyway. So why didn't they? I mean, they're not guaranteed anything uh, in this year's Champions League because obviously Chelsea are still alive. They obviously won at the weekend, uh, late winner against uh, Cardiff and uh, Arsenal are still alive as well. So it's not a foregone conclusion they'll be playing Champions League football next season, but obviously... uh, Well, unless unless they win it. Do you think they got a whiff the way they beat Paris Saint-Germain coming back from the dead? They got a whiff of Alex Ferguson and they thought this guy's got the same DNA. Similar to the Villa, to be honest, you know, they've actually got momentum and belief and you look at the team sheet and it's quality players. There's no reason why they couldn't take people's scalps. I think they'll probably just fall short in the Champions League itself. Yeah, you compare them to Villa there. I mean, if, for example, uh, and I'll uh, throw this one at Dan, if Villa had Dean Smith on a temporary contract now, he took over from Bruce and they said, well, we'll give you to the end of the season and we'll Mm. make a decision then. After that long... uh, 15 games with, what is it, two wins, you'd have been thinking, yeah, that, this 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 chap's not getting a, a contract next season. But he's then gone on to win these five games. Suddenly we're in the playoff picture again. Do you think the Villa board would give him the new contract now or would they wait for the playoffs? Well, it's that P word, isn't it? Well, it's two, two Ps I'm thinking of. It's, it's pedigree and, and promotion. In our circumstances, I think that that with that Solskjaer came, you know, even at United, he's hardly been set the world on fire where, elsewhere, has he? I think... Yeah. Smith Smith come still I suppose does to some degree now come carry some risk in the sense that if he if he you know he stands to finish in his highest ever position if, if I'm correct yeah on current form and if he gets a set the division well it it could prove to be a masterstroke on that basis of course he'd get a contract but I think United found themselves in the position where yeah they did I do think they've had a whiff of, of Ferguson and I think a number of players suddenly suddenly started performing i think that's a that's a telling thing around a particularly around a motivator yeah so i think obviously uh, there was there's a lot of sentiment playing in there mm. i think that's why they went early with that but i was quite surprised they went oh, as okay. early i thought they would have waited at least a few more weeks just so united have firmed up for example mm. uh, in the champions league next season and then uh, obviously announce it ahead of the end of the season if if they look definitely like they were going to qualify. Anyway, point number 2, Mr. Rogers. So, point number 2, this is something that's there's been a there's been a thread through recent podcasts as we've tried to yeah. pick up on the the ongoing saga now of the of the fallout of Cardiff City signing Emiliano Salah who who passed away in that awful plane crash. But it's 
stuff starting to emerge out of the investigation, the latest being that the pilot, um, it, was, it was David Ibbotson, is thought to have been colourblind and so his licence restricted him to daytime flying. I, I mean, that layered upon the question marks around who chartered the plane, the condition of the aircraft, the fact that it wasn't registered. Just refresh our memories. Who did charter the plane again? So I understand that it was chartered by um, the agent. And um, I think there's, there was two things that were were at play there. I think that one was that Salah wanted to get back to, uh, it was Nantes, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. you know, tie up loose ends there and get quickly back to the UK, train and then presumably play. When all said and done, the, the contract element, I don't think it was signed. So Cardiff's position seems to be that the contract is null and void, that his registration hadn't been... I get the feeling this will be going to the courts. I, would you agree? I would yes. I would suggest so. And there's there's a couple of things that interest me. One, as a football fan, in, in you know, I think that uh, we spoke about it before, that these high-stakes transfers that, that seem to happen, um, particularly around on around deadline day, that, that these clubs are under massive pressure to get deals done and, and the, the lengths they go go to to get players. Um, but, you know, but also it's like the, you know, we all fly quite a lot and, um, you know, in the modern era, you like to think you're stepping onto an aircraft and it's safe and uh, it sort of brings home that... Excuse me, Air Stewardess, can I just check that our, our pilot has got a night rating on his <laughs> uh, on his uh, pilot's licence? Yeah, please. it's quite pony, isn't it, stuff like that? Yeah, when you're no, talking I mean, about... You know, you're talking about what is he, a £15 million asset yeah. and you're taking that kind of risk, it seems a bit kind of amateurish, to be honest. It'd be interesting to see how it plays out from both the contract side because, you know, the, the sums involved are, are vast as well. I think the fee was £15 million. Yep. Point number three. Now, it's a shame this doesn't happen at Villa Park at half-time when they're doing that uh, prize-where-it-lies uh, routine. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you listeners have heard about the Space Burger, where a burger fell out of the Atmos and landed uh, <laughs> in the middle of Colchester United's training ground. From McDonald's Big Mac flies out of nowhere, lands on the ground. There's obviously a bit of a clue there because uh, there was a polystyrene box attached to it with a GoPro camera. And I think uh, once they lifted up the camera, it switched on the, the homing uh, beacon or the tracker because uh, the person who sent it up into orbit, had, uh, <laughs> I think he sent it up on a weather balloon and it was, I think it was 24 miles uh, above the Earth, and then the weather balloon popped, and then it came down from, he set it off, I think it was in Sheffield, so it landed about 100 miles away from uh, where it was uh, sent up. Although technically, is it a space burger? It hasn't gone into outer space, has it, Strictly? No, because Strictly, it's 60 miles above the Earth's surface, is technically in space. I mean, to be honest, I'm sure a McDonald's burger would probably survive going through the Earth's atmosphere, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, no. I mean, McDonald's burgers are. This shit is not. This is not biodegradable. <laughs> pretty much indestructible. I don't know if you saw what's the documentary. Uh, Supersize me. Supersize me. Yes, that's the one where they just leave McDonald's French fries for like years, don't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and nothing happens to them. They do not degrade in any shape or form. Mm. <laughs> still nice and crispy like three years later or whatever <laughs> so what are you saying here that I, I can possibly get a balti pie delivered by balloon to l5 is that is that going to happen yeah we're going to send up a balti pie in uh we're, we're going to put a little uh turbo on that weather balloon mm -hmm. so we can get it up to 60 miles none of this bloody sheffield 24 miles bullshit i mean the other advantages are that the villa, the villa dog is aerodynamically shaped so <laughs> you could fire it into the mouths of <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, you could probably hit uh, Pluto from here with the uh, the aerodynamicness of the villa. That's why dog. they declassified it as a planet. It's because it was struck by the force. Speaking of villa dogs, here's a uh, if somebody wants to buy one and then just leave it in the garage for a few years and just see what happens, monitor it and see what happens to it. That's just how big the queue for the food is, by the way. <laughs> it goes all the way to outer space. <laughs> Just uh, monitor it, take a time-lapse picture every day and see how quickly that villa dog degrades. But I, I think it'll be still good to eat like five years' time, probably. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, before we move on, I just want to say, uh, give a shout-out to the beautiful people who have signed up as My Old Man Said patrons uh, in the past week. Tom Michael, Ben Redding, Chris Bryan, Tom Toulouse, Chris Bergstrom and Randy Smythe. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, please do also uh, help us uh, pump out these podcasts. We're, we're looking at getting some mics, actually. Uh, so uh, eventually... Yes, uh, we're using cups and string at the moment. Cups and string is how we get on, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a bit of a bummer to edit. But anyway, uh, if you could go to com and check on the podcast, uh, patron option on the menu bar that would be much appreciated and i'll re- be revamping uh, the patron tiers over the next week or so also uh, the internet is now just turning into white noise and as you can see it's just clickbait city everywhere i mean the past week did you see that the birmingham mail headline aston villa star tyron mings is furious and you'll never believe why i didn't could you believe why you could i still so, can't believe why it was just a, there was that pyramid of what's top tier, middle tier, and bottom tier crisps. And Tyron just tweeted, "Top tier can't say a word to the middle tier nonsense." So it was just a guy just commenting on like some meme or crisp meme. And the Birmingham Mail tried to make it out to be this big story. Tyron Mings is furious, and you'll never believe why. I mean, this is the me- how media are just wasting our time mm. with this bullshit and trying to get the difference between what is news and what is not. They should start tagging it with hashtag actual news. <laughs> I mean, there was another one. They went up with the headline, Grealish should be target for West Ham. And it was all about, you know, West Ham tip Spurs for Grealish. And it, it was just because Frank McAvenny basically said uh, Grealish has swagger. And that was it. And so they thought, oh, yeah, Frank McAvenny, West Ham. Yeah, completely. Just like, it's just bullshit absolute bullshit and it's just sad i know these people have to pay their mortgages and all that kind of stuff but have some fucking backbone for god's sake have a spine of integrity at least come on in the end i mean there's a few newspapers now that have people obviously subscribing but we want to keep everything free for people so if people can support that's fantastic right on to the scott hogan touch count meter so Sheffield United played Bristol City in a bit of a cruncher. I mean, we spoke in the last podcast that Sheffield United would romp home. Leeds would be uh, left to play in the playoffs. And you're looking at Sheffield United, Bristol City, you're thinking, yeah, go on then, Sheffield United, do us a favour, get rid of Bristol City for us. Because Bristol City have got some tough games coming up. Mm. But if they win them, then uh, they're going to be a bit of a thorn in Villa's side. Uh, obviously, then it sets up the Villa Park clash uh, pretty nicely in mid-April. Anyway, Bristol City managed to beat Sheffield United 3-2 away from home. Mr. Hogan, then this is when my the Scott Hogan touch count meter flicked on, came on as a half-time sub, 45 minutes, scored... Oh my goodness. Oh, hello. One of the the problems with the Hogan going on loan to one of our promotion rivals was uh, he could potentially score goals to help them, but at least he scored a goal and it didn't help his team in any shape or form. (laughs) So anyway, the question goes, how many touches did he get in 45 minutes? Chris, how many? 
12. Ooh. Dan Rogers. 13. Oh, should have gone the other way. Damn it. 11. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Chris Bird is the winner this week. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a comparison. Billy Sharp played the full 90 minutes. He, he had 30. <laughs> Hmm. And Andy Vyman, playing for Bristol City, played 85 minutes, scored a hat-trick, had 56 touches. Do you know what? There's something going wrong. There's something wrong in the world. All those touches, Scott Hogan scores and Andy Vyman gets a hat-trick. I'm I'm unnerved and we're on a five five straight winning. The world is getting very weird uh, at the moment. (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) I want to get off. I think, I don't know, maybe it's some counter to the the chaos of Brexit or something. It's it's setting up a a positivity vortex in the football world or something. Andy Vyman scoring hat-tricks. That's his first hat-trick in his career. This is the zombie apocalypse. Led to believe, yeah. And uh, Scott Hogan, 11 touches in 45 minutes. That's pretty good for him. He's normally 12 in 19. That's a shift then. It, Career high. Yeah, that's the shift for Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't get injured. <laughs> Something strange is happening in the football world. Right, let's move on to uh, the best thing to happen this week was Villa completing uh, five wins on the trot. First half, very different from the second half. First half, I, I think I said to you, Chris, uh, earlier on in the week, uh, I'm hoping 4-0, no problems, just slap them, and away we go. And in the first half, it was looking like that. We, you know, we played some lovely stuff. One touch two touch Andre Green was coming in and linking up with Grealish and Whelan and Abraham it looked like it was going to be more than just one at half time for sure but it should have been well yeah it should have been I haven't I haven't actually looked back on that the goal uh, well it's obviously chalked off but just before half time it looked offside to me anyway but uh, any second opinions on that one annoyingly Al Ghazi actually didn't need to touch the ball it was it was yes. going to go in yeah. do you think it had a because uh, when I was watching it I mean I've, as I said I haven't seen the highlights back after it, it didn't seem to have enough momentum if Al Ghazi stands his ground the keeper can't get to the ball and it would go in right but of course Al Ghazi sees the ball and he see he, he see you know his eyes light up he's not going to not yeah. tap it in so I get why he did it and he wouldn't be thinking oh maybe I'm offside but yeah yeah, it's frustrating when that happens I know obviously McGinn was unlucky Abraham had a great chance yeah it was, it was 45 as good a performance as against Derby and Middlesbrough without the extra goal I think it, I always felt at 2-0 it was game over but saying that, Blackburn, we were just talking in the first half, they were by no means the worst team to come to Villa Park. No, and, not at all. And they had something. They were playing this uh, corner. They were putting it on the back stick, and it was causing Villa all kinds of problems. It was yeah. over Steer's head. They were getting a man on the back post, and uh, Villa just, because obviously Villa's uh, centre-back or defender were like from a standing start, the advantage was with the runner of the opposition. And, and I thought, oh, what? we had two scares on it, and then I thought the third time they're going to, get us on it well, and they hit they hit the bar didn't they from one of them where the guy yeah. speculatively sort of whips it back in and he comes off the top of the crossbar that kind of came from nowhere so they looked dangerous even though we were looking good you know they carried a threat and uh, obviously it transpired that they weren't uh, dead and dusted in the uh, the second half I mean they, uh, they'd have been glad to, to be fair to, to Blackburn they kind of dug in pretty well because Villa were all over them and that they'd have, I would have thought considered themselves very lucky to go in yeah. only one down yeah so that was probably a, a sort of a minor victory for them I think it definitely still be in the game. gave them a chance to galvanize again yeah, and, and go again what I did like in the first half uh, and it's becoming a He's almost doing it once every game now. His uh, Mings did his uh, cross cross field pass, must be like 40, 50 mm. yards mm. from left to right, and it lands like on a 
on a pinhead almost. You could almost like slow it down and put classical music on in the background. It, older listeners may remember Glenn Hoddle's uh, 50 yard passes, which just like drop on a sixpence. Even like Beckham and Gerard and people like that. Mings's distribution is incredible. Yeah. And his general. And Cor- Courtney House did know. one as well. He, he dropped one from player. about 40, 40 yards on a, on a sixpence as well. I don't know why we still use sixpence because obviously, I mean, sixpences went out even, you know. <laughs> Before any of us were born, <laughs> that was the start of this podcast. So for consistency, we need to, we need to carry it through. I, I think the best the best summary I saw of the game, and I have to apologise because I can't I can't cite the tweet offhand, was that it was a champagne first half and a Lambrini second half. I saw that it was perfect, <laughs> and I fair, thought that was right. quite good. And the other the other summary that I thought was quite fair of the game was um, speaking of Mings was his reflection on Blackburn and how how they were such a mid. I don't think he was trying to be offensive to them, but such a mid-table team performance where you could see all the good things that meant that they weren't struggling down the bottom. But on the other hand, you could see how they could also come undone too. You can see why they get results, but at the same time... Yeah. You know, they've, well, they've, they've conceded more goals away from home than anyone for a reason. I mean, every time yeah. we got in the final third, we looked like we'd cause some problems. Uh, Whelan also uh, had a good game again. Superb. Again, and he seems to have got this extra gear all of a sudden. Yeah, it's weird, it's isn't it? He's back, but he seems to have got like the spring in his step and a bit of confidence. And he strong, never used um, to move as much, did he? No, and he's and like he's really he's, he's all of a sudden become quite snappy in the tackle as well. He's really yeah. kind of diving in. And I thought he played really well in in the week for Ireland as well. The goal, the, the game where Hurran uh, yeah. scored that that great free kick. I think uh, he's just confident, excellent at the moment. It really is. It's, it's kind of an unexpected uh, bonus, actually. Mm. It just adds, and this is like when McGinn was out uh, on suspension, it just adds balance to the team all of a sudden. It allows those two other midfielders to, you know, play further up, both of them. And, you know, they can swap over and move around because they've obviously got that shield behind them. And a shield that's now a bit more mobile than it used to be because we would potentially campaign for Bjarnason to be in that spot just because he was a bit more mobile yeah. but now Whelan's managed to be not only mobile but obviously effective as well and and, and snappy and, and actually stifling the opposition he's, yeah he's very effective I suppose yeah. would be the word wouldn't it the fact that you've got Carol Lansbury and Bjarnason who can't even get in the match day squad yeah. kind of shows the depth of Villa's um, squad yeah I think well Carol's not in obviously because they're only allowed five loans yeah I, I in think he'll I think he'll go missing for the rest of the season. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought we'll see much of him, to be honest. I thought if Villa were definitely one hundred percent staying in the Championship, then I think he'd be getting games because Smith would be having a look at him for uh, buying next season because he would be a uh, potentially the way Smith wants to uh, play a you know decent acquisition in terms of Championship level. But I don't know if he's going to be uh, somebody would ship in if we're in the Premier League. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, I just want to give Ming some criticism. I thought he was a bit sloppy in the second half. It was amazing in the I first think, half. Yeah, I think they all were, actually. I think mm. the They were the giving the ball goal. away a hell of a lot. It's just to give you the stats, uh, I think Courtney House was 90% in terms of his pass uh, completion and Mings was 80 and he's normally higher than that. And he was a bit sloppy in that second half. And there was that weird, weird thing in the last 10 minutes where Villa just didn't seem to want to keep possession of the ball and they kept giving it away cheaply. And even when they got it, like let's say the last five minutes, last four or three minutes, they were trying to get down the line, then cut in and, you know, try to score and just run into traffic or something. And the ball was given away totally, you know, cheaply because they were running in. There was no support for any uh, options for whoever was on the ball. When you were thinking, like, just take it down the bloody corner flag. And that's exactly what McGinn did when he picked it up on the right wing, mm. ran the length of the pitch and must have chewed up a minute of the time and, and even won a corner. But, he, you know, he, must, he looked like a player that was a bit pissed off with his teammates because they were just giving it away. And, and just obviously it just led to more Blackburn pressure all the time when they could have, let's say they could have managed that game and kept possession a bit more, got a few Ole chants from the Holtz and seen that out a bit more comfortably, I thought. Which is something they've actually done really well yeah. in recent weeks. They've actually managed the game superb. Like, um, Forest away, especially you know, the second half against Derby, was just a pre like a training. Do you think it's just because there was a one goal lead and they got a bit edgy? Do you think that's why? Yeah. I think so. I mean, they, Villa kind of stopped though. Really, once they got the second goal, I don't know if Mings had kind of you know his, his head had gone up in the clouds with the goal or whatever, and they were all just. But they, it was weird because it was almost like last season's Villa where they, they had a two-goal lead, but they, they retreated to the 18-yard line. Yeah. I mean, against a team who were there for the taking at the back, you'd have kind of thought, well, Smith surely isn't telling you to play like that. It almost looked as if they'd hit a brick wall, like they looked tired and they got really leggy and just sort of stopped. It was quite yeah. strange because it's very not like how they've played under Smith generally. So, Miss Mr. Rogers... Hmm. We were discussing on the, the last episode our, our goalkeeper situation where we seem to have hmm. three goalkeepers and uh, we were ranking them and uh, we seem to have Steer as number one uh, above Kalinic and Nyland. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I haven't done the stats on this. I, I, it, you know, life's maybe too short, but uh, I don't think it'd take that long. But I don't think Steer's had a shot to save yet, has he? No. <laughs> he, he hasn't had that much to do. He's, I mean, he's had one or two, obviously, but he's had quite a comfortable uh, run but as we were saying uh, in the last show I think Chris was saying he's done in terms of distribution and you know coming for the ball and he's made the back line comfortable just by doing what he you know should be doing not necessarily being called into action but then he had a you know he had a free kick to save in this Blackburn game what do you think of that one do you think he could have done better with that um I suppose we'd have to think if if Nylon would have been in goal, would he have saved it? Uh, Kalinic would he have been in goal? Would he have saved it? I don't know. Probably, probably they would have probably saved that one. To be honest, but... Nyland? <laughs> for our Norwegian <laughs> listeners, um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I think it was one of those. It was one of those that we're linking it into what what Chris and yourself have just been talking about. Is it put us under unnecessary pressure in the in the latter stages of the game? And yeah, I mean, 
I was screaming because it was a left-footed player that was taking that free kick, the Blackburn free kick. He was obviously going to put it over the left side of the wall as he's looking at it. And we put the smallest men there. There was, I think it was McGinn and Whelan on that side. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, why don't you put Mings on there or some one of the big chaps? Because he's obviously left-footed. He's going for that side. And that's exactly the, uh, the side it went over. So it could have been prevented in that respect just by putting the wall in the right place. I think it was one of those ones where he, him and the manager, I would imagine, would be very frustrated because it's the classic thing of he's had very little to do all game. Yeah. And then it's that concentration just going mm, yeah. at the key moment. And that's, you know, the cliche with goalkeepers is that is the sign of a top, top quality goalkeeper that when they're called upon, when they've had nothing to do. Yeah. Because as you said, he's had a very good back four and midfield defensive unit in front of him. Generally, he's done what he's needed to do well. Because that was right down his throat. Yeah. I can't remember since he's come into the team, a moment where I've gone, wow, what a save. Because mm. my, my thoughts with him is, I think he's, what we just need to get us over the line into, into the playoffs is a 7 out of 10 goalkeeper, not fucking up like Guzan did and Nyland's done. Just a steady Eddie to get mm. you there. But then if we're in a big game against, let's say, for example, Leeds in the final at Wembley, that's when you'd like, I would like something a little bit more than steering goal. Because as you say, as you just said, Chris, uh, it's that moment of concentration. You know, that's why Schmeichel was a great keeper. He hardly had anything to do. United were a great team. But when called on, he, he pulled off the world. He saves. And we'll have to play really well to blow a team away. Because if it's a 50-50 game and it's down to, you know, a, a great save may swing the difference, then uh, I'm not 100% convinced that Steers like that kind of 8, 9 out of 10 goalkeeper. What I would say, though, and I'll give them some credit, is that it was obviously a game of two halves, but what it did show was that when we want to, we can go through the gears and take a team apart. But now this team, which we said before under Smith, that they couldn't play badly and win. Yeah, This team, I think, can. Yeah, With a, an informed wheeling, with Mings, Hawes, you've got a solid back four. They're much better protected. Abraham seems to be working really hard at the front as well as, the, mm-hmm. as your first line of defence. I think all of a sudden you've got a much better team defensive unit because I think before Christmas they would have drawn that game. We're going to actually do a, a listener question extra show which will be out maybe a couple of days after this one. And I think this is one of the questions in that. But I'll mention it here anyway. Do you think... Even if Chester comes back and Elphick comes back and Tuenzebi obviously uh, is back, do you keep the same defence all the way through if it's fit? Yes. Mm. I was I wasn't going to mention it or, or bring it up, but there was a there was a like, maybe on Instagram is it Hutton taking a photo of him of himself in sort of semi. I'm, hey guys, yeah. I'm fit. I'm still here and almost <laughs> back fit. Uh, don't forget about me. Goodbye. And, and it, it prompted the same the same thought of. Hmm. I think what it gives you is you you probably for the first time if you have got things like fatigue or an injury in game or something like that you could you can roll someone in there who you think well they're they're okay and what I'm thinking of is you know house can go to left back and things like that yeah. would I change it here and now I don't think I would unnecessarily I think I'd bring you know bring them back onto the bench so that you've got that that yeah. cover I had I, I had thought during the uh, I'd thought during the game that Twan, if we'd have got the third I think you would have seen Twan Zabi coming mm. on for Taylor which I think is possibly Smith's preferred back four but Alas. Yeah. We shall see. Taylor, to his credit, is starting to get past the fullback and Played he's well. getting down the line uh, and, and linking up and being actually a member of the attack. I mean, Villa's fullbacks, uh, certainly under Bruce, would get to the edge of the 18 and that's as far as they'd go and they'd dissolve. 
they'd either pass it back to a midfielder or they would, uh, you know, float that ball in. Mm. But now uh, both Elmo and Taylor are are taking on that fullback or trying, you know, trying to get down the byline, which uh, is opening it up a bit more. Anything to add about the Blackburn game? Other than obviously it was lovely to see uh, old Juan Pablo and Martin Larson at halftime, of course. I didn't know that it was the first time Engel had been back since he left in 2007. I suppose he's been in America mm. most of the time playing in the MLS. I mean, the, the main thing I'll say about that, it's nice to see overseas players returning and mm. being encouraged to stay part of the uh, the Aston Villa family. I mean, it's, you know, ex-players that still live in this country, maybe even still live in the West Midlands. It's, uh, it's to be expected, uh, you know, they want to mm. come and see a game for free or whatever. But uh, when you've got people from other countries and, you know, they swing by, it's good that they're popping in. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's good to keep a positive atmosphere around the place as well. Yeah, because mm. they're definitely favourites. I mean, I'm, you know, the Villa marketing team and uh, I don't know, you know, local papers and certain fans will say, oh, legends, legends. But, you know, they were fan favourites, mm. as I keep saying, loss and barely played 90 games and Juan Pablo Engel for a top he was a record signing at the time uh, as a striker only got into double figures in two of his seven seasons but they had both had issues obviously yeah. Larson's injuries Engel was kind of left out to dry uh, when he first moved here and I think fans had sympathy because they realized that and that's why you know they were favorites because they're always on our side and they always gave everything yeah I think that's a fair summary they were they were both you know technically really gifted footballers. I think most people will look back on them thinking a sense of what could have been for mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah. Well, I think La- La- the truth for Larson is he would have he would have stayed at a club like AC Milan if he, if his yeah. knees would have allowed it and he would have been a top yeah. European professional. I, it always surprised me. I think with Angel that there was always the suggestion that he might go on and it's maybe a symptom of Villa in that era really that we we had um, what transpired to be delusions that we could be that team and Angel may yeah. look back on that portion of his career that he could have gone to another Premier League club or another European club and and won major honours in Europe I do wonder that um but as you say too yeah I mean I wouldn't put money on that or it's like could he have done better if oh, I think no, he would have done better there's no guarantees absolutely yeah. But I always used to think with Angel particularly, uh, he was very technically gifted in a in a Villa team that, that wasn't always very gifted around him. When you look at what his previous strike partner went on to do, you know, Pablo I, Pablo Imar, who obviously mm. Villa were, were in for at one point, ended up going to Barcelona and was a goal machine mm. for a year or two. Yeah, well, he was one of the three witches, wasn't he? The River Plate witches, they used yes. to be called. Yeah. Yes. Right, anyway, good to see Mr. Angel and Larson and George Boating as well. And of course, Gareth Southgate. In, a, in attendance. Who? Yeah, I know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on. <laughs> we don't talk about Villaborough on this uh, podcast. Didn't he say that he, he... He went He went off for more ambition. Yeah, he went off for more ambition. Didn't he say that Grealish needed to be at a Premier League team? Before he needed... No, he, no, I think he said Grealish needed to be at uh, Middlesbrough, a team with more ambition. Ah, okay. Yeah, it must have been it. <laughs> Right, moving on to uh, just looking uh, before we close the show. Just looking at uh, what's happening. Who's who's chasing us? I mean, we we discussed uh, the playoff picture last uh, the last episode in terms of the end game. Who would end up in those spots? But uh, we're in a position where there's three teams hovering below us, each with games in hand. Bristol City have got two. Any of those win, and they go above Villa. Mm-hmm. Good news is. Tuesday, Bristol City are playing Middlesbrough, and that's their extra game, or one of Bristol City's extra game. That's Middlesbrough's extra game. How do you want that game to go? 
Draw? Yeah, I'm thinking mm. that as well. Draws have got to be preferable, I think. Because the draw won't take anybody above us. And Bristol City, they'll go above us anyway if they win their game in other game in hand. So just peg them and back. That's, away at, uh, that's the last week of the season away at struggling uh, Millwall. So that's not a banker. All right, yeah. That'll be a difficult one. Oh, we'll, we'll get rid of them by the time they get to go to Millwall. Don't worry about that, my son. <laughs> I mean, it does. It does line up that game at Villa Park in a few weeks' yeah. time as a real six-pointer, doesn't it? That's going to be probably the pivotal game in the running. I think by beating Sheffield United, they've they've kept themselves relevant. Whatever happens against their next game against Middlesbrough before they come to Villa Park, because they're still in the mix because they got those games in hand. If they had got beaten by Sheffield United and then beaten by Middlesbrough, they were eleventh. In game, while uh, we were winning, they were actually, uh, were they behind against Sheffield United at any point? I can't remember. But I looked at the table like live and they were 11th. Even though they had those games in hands, they were looking like they were going to be slipping. So if they'd lost that game against Sheffield United, then lost against Middlesbrough in this extra game, then suddenly, you know, they're coming to Villa Park and we're just basically putting the final nail in the coffin and fixture congestion for them. It's not going to, you know, playing three games in the last week or whatever, it's not going to really work out well for them. This is a crazy, this is a crazy thing on the table at the moment. It's, it's a reflection of how of, of us just powering up the league. Is that picking up on what you're saying about that? How you can shift up so many places. You know, if the results all went the wrong way, we could drop from fifth to tenth in one exchange. And you think, well, that's well, just... we have got a superior goal difference, mm-hmm. so. Uh... Which could come into it. We would need to be battered and Forrest and Preston to win. But I think that our goal difference is, uh, that's going to be a major thing. It's going to be worth a point sig- to us, I think, ultimately. It's significantly mm. better than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to have a swing result where we get hammered unless we play Wigan again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and another one of these teams win. Although, you know, for example, Derby did uh, dismantle Rotherham 6-1 and that got their goal difference back so up to seven. So what you're saying it was- is it is possible It'd be one hell of a swing, but what I'm what I'm thinking is, I mean, at, as the table stands at the moment, is exactly how we, me, Chris, and uh, Max Max Stokes, who was on the last show, predicted it would finish: Villa fifth, Derby sixth, because Derby have got a softer fixture list than most. And I think the international break came at a good time for them. Yeah, they could recalibrate. Yeah, same as Bristol. You know, Bristol had been on a bad run as well. Well, you could say that about Borough as well, but I think Borough had a tougher task, really. I mean, they you know they gave Norwich a game, but uh, ultimately, yeah. I was glad Norwich won that because if Middlesbrough had won that, then suddenly there's there's a big uh, kicker to get you back on track is to beat the top yeah. team. I mean, the thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that I have a feeling it will go down to the last day, and I have a feeling that we'll be playing a Norwich team that have probably lifted the trophy the week before. Yeah, I mean, five points uh, clear now. They're looking. So that could uh, be a bit. Hope, I'm hoping that's a bit of a nothing game mm-hmm. for them, and they're on the beach by this point. But I would like to get our business done early. I'd like to go to Sheffield. Possible. Wednesday. Yeah. Like to go to Sheffield Wednesday and stuff them. Mm. Then we got Rotherham yes. away. Should win that hopefully. If Derby can beat them six-one, and then it's then it's straight into that Bristol game, and then I think there's your decider. Because it doesn't matter, you know, whether we finish fifth or sixth, doesn't really matter. Because I think either, you know, if it's West Brom, Sheffield United or Leeds, they're all going to be tough games. Three teams that we haven't beaten yet. Mm. So, well, I mean, eight wins on the trot would be something... Uh, well, something they haven't done before. Yeah, something they haven't done bef- before. But it's very, you know, very doable. I think I would say Sheffield Wednesday is probably the hardest of those. Yeah, I think Bruce will have them organised. I mean, they're on a good run and, and, he's, and he's yet to get the better of Dean Smith in the Championship. Well, <laughs> actually, I forgot about that. If we base it on what, how Brentford have uh, tackled 
Villa so far since we've been in the championship. Uh, should be a walk in the park for Dino, that game. All, all will be and revealed. Just satisfaction of beating Bruce, of course, but that's a, yeah. a minor. It's a minor, minor thing in the, in the big game, the Game of Thrones, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. is coming back on our television sets in two weeks. Now, if we're still uh, 100% when the Game of Thrones uh, resurfaces, I'll be very happy. Right. I think it's time uh, to call it adieu. So please do uh, subscribe if you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Addict, whatever. Uh, Also review it on uh, iTunes if you can as well. If you have a spare second, that would be fantastic. Join the Mad Few Facebook group as well. And also, most importantly, become a patron to support independent publishing that stays clear of clickbait nonsense and gives you a good time when you're listening to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll be running another show this week as well, like listener questions and answers. Some pretty good ones, actually. So it's a solid show. So do tune into that this week as well. So until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Hello there, Ray Winston. something, Something stuck in my throat there. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.